You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom T20 World Cup Daily Podcast. What a day we've had to round out the Super 12s. Uh, Staff could crash out of the World Cup from a position of strength and Pakistan come back from the dead to qualify from the semis and Siri Kamiyadov is absurd. I feel like we might have heard these storylines before, uh, but let's go over it again anyway. With me to discuss all that is Cam Ponsonby and Dan Senior. Uh, let's start with that first game because that was probably the most remarkable result of the three. Of the three. Uh, Cam, how have South Africa thrown this one away? I mean, they needed to win one of their last two. They had Pakistan 48 for four in that game on, what was it, Thursday. And then, obviously, it's yeah. Netherlands, they'd be significant favourites. See, the list of South African World Cup unlikely exits is long, and I don't want to use the C word, uh, but this is right up there, isn't it? Yeah, I don't. It, the two, two games ago, less than a week ago, they were like the favourites to win the competition. They'd kind of put away Bangladesh, Russo had scored that 100 it beat India. Everyone was like, these are the boys. Like, they had the pace attack and they had the batter to kind of combat the tournament. And yeah, so the C-words, obviously, they are choke phenomenon. And it is. They, 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 had, they had a game to beat the Netherlands to get through to the next round. And they've somehow... They've somehow... But they just had... I remember there's a phrase that a mate of mine uses where he always just says, like, good teams get it done. Like, as soon as there's something tricky, good teams get it done. So they needed 160 or 159 to, to qualify. And that's a kind of like a, an itchy bum score where you're like, well, we actually need to make sure we pay attention here and get it. Uh, and they failed. They failed quite dramatically in the end. Um, so I, but one of the things about this is it's such a volatile competition. I don't know if this, this means they're a bad team. Because two week, two, a week ago, we said they were a really good team and that they were going to win the whole competition. So does this mean they're now a bad team or they just had a bad day uh, I'm not really sure, but it's pretty uh, catastrophic for them. Well, home time. Yeah, because it is, I guess when you look down the scorecard, you kind of see how it happens in terms of nerves coming to play. But then you look at the names and like, how have they been kept so quiet in this game? Like, 
Decock, Rousseau, Marker and Miller, that is just an incredible four players having your top five, but they all kind of got set and then got out, which is, I think, how you can really, like, almost sleepwalk into getting beaten in this sort of contest because the no, rate absolutely. is... With the, with the score of 160, where you're, you're needing eight, it's not ex, it's not an excessive run rate. But if everyone's taking 15 balls to get 15, all of a sudden your lower order players are going to have to go to tens, basically. Um, and yeah, the, the awkward thing about it is is I think Temple Boomer at the top of the order at the moment. Now he's had he's had a, he's had a bad competition. He played pretty well against Pakistan, which was a relief basically because he was kind of him and Aaron Finch were kind of the two two boys at the top of the order who really really struggling and it's uncomfortable and normally if you have your kind of top three everyone wants to bat in the top three but it's also a bit of a get out of jail free card that you could throw your hands through the ball and pierce the field and get a load of boundaries that's not been the case this world cup so if you were struggling at the top of the order that frailty was then exposed even further and so the rumor said after the game he said i don't want to make any decisions on this captaincy uh yeah i don't make any emotional decision with his phrase but yeah, I, I'd be amazed if, if he if he carried on. I'd like it's they've lost to, they've lost to the Netherlands. They've never lost to the Netherlands ever, and they've lost to it now. When all they need to do to win, they all of a sudden they were two games away from winning the World Cup, and you're kind of, you're so close to glory, and you kind of fall flat on your face. It's not great. Um, I actually thought of a good name for this game. It only really refers to two players, but you can call it the the De Derby, the De Derby. Wow. With a, yeah. Um, I don't know if I understand that, but that's fine. <laughs> so with Basilid and Quinton de Kock, basically that's the joke. Uh, they've all got that bit in their name. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, oh, let's, uh, it's always difficult to know how much to talk with these sorts of games uh, when there is a big upset. How much to focus on the team that loses it, and how much to talk about the team that 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 wins it. And the Netherlands, they won this game as much as Africa losses. I think they were brilliant, and like they they clearly had a game plan to get up to that that one sixty total. And then as we saw against Zimbabwe. Uh, that pace tack is just a very, very good one, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, it is. Um, I'll be honest, I watched two overs of this, given that it started at midnight. I woke up with about two overs to go, so I just thought I'd check the score. Went to the toilet and then put it on for the two overs. And other than that, all I've seen is a scorecard. And like, the last time I was on this, I was shouting up the South African pace ball and attack. Just going, looking at it now. Parnell, eights. Rabada, twelves. Nguidi, elevens. Nokia, 2.5. Like, he was unreal. The other three got... Absolutely smashed. Um, it's just incredible to think that has happened given the position they were in against Pakistan. And I thought Maharaj hopping back for twos at the end of the innings was just really apt. I think it just summed up the predicament they found themselves in. Um, it was just like the perfect summation of the end of their tournament. You know, this left arm spinner trying to hit big bombs, trying to run quick singles, and all he can do is hop on one leg. And I think that just sums up South Africa's end to the tournament. It's just insane. But don't take anything away from the Netherlands, they were brilliant. Um, the difference between the, the smaller side, you would say, and the bigger sides has tended to be the batting. So for them to be able to get up to, to 160 has been pretty incredible. And that catch was something else, wasn't it, Cam? Uh, Rolf van der Moer to get out Miller. And he, he's arguably that key wicket as well in that separate lineup. He has, it's actually Yaz's line, this. Um, but I remember him saying, it was either him or his friend was saying, whenever he watches van der Merwe, he always feels like van der Merwe's playing as if he's trying to impress a girl on the boundary. He's just trying so hard, basically. And this really kind of fell into that. He's like, no, obviously 37 is not, not old in the grand scheme of life, but in terms of kind of international cricket, you're getting on a bit. Man, it's an unbelievable catch. He's kind of gone over his shoulder. He's turned, he's turned away. 
it is kind of technically one of the hardest catches you can do. And he, and he made it, paid off the ground full length. He had his almost classic double fist pump, raw, like testosterone fuel raw. It always reminds me of him, like Djokovic when he wins like um, major. But it was so, it was in terms of dancing, like he didn't see the game. Now, I don't think any, like South Africa didn't see the game. Everyone had gone, everyone just trusted that South Africa was going to win. And so it was amazing being over in Australia, just seeing different time zones on Twitter wake up and go, what, what on earth has just happened? Would be a different text message from a different friend, different like, like South Af- India would wake up and South Africa would wake up and the UK would wake up and they'd all slowly go like, oh my God, they've done it again. And yeah, so as you said, it, I think in terms of the Netherlands, they're batting, they're kind of not cheat code, but they, the fact that they were able to bring Tom Cooper back in and they had Scott Edwards, they had that Australian influence and Colin Ackerman's obviously a very, one of their professionals. Those guys hadn't fired. Well, Scott Edwards, not including this phrase, but like Ackerman and Cooper hadn't quite fired for them in the way they might have hoped in this tournament. Um, and both of them go, Cooper especially, struck at almost 200 for his 35, and Ackerman's gone 41 off 26. Like, that makes all the difference in that game. That's the difference between the two sides and that everyone else. That, that card for the Netherlands looks exactly the same as it does for South Africa, apart from you've got two guys who've gone at above nine runs and over, which gets you to that 160. And that was just something that um, South Africa couldn't manage. And just, just lastly on South Africa, I mean, as, da- as sorry as Cam says, it's hard to work out whether this means they're a bad team. It probably doesn't. Uh, they just had a couple of, of bad days, I guess. But Dan, you, Nork has had a, a brilliant individual tournament, hasn't he? Yeah, so I said to you before, I genuinely didn't realise until I was looking at some stats how well he'd done. Um, well, he's taken 11 wickets at eight and a half and an economy rate of under six. Like, out of the pace attack, you know, and Giddy was the one who was doing the business to start with. Rabad is the big name, um, but it's not here. He's just come in and proved that, you know, not that pace is everything in Australia, but it certainly plays a big part, especially against sides who aren't as well equipped to play against that high pace, you know, like the Netherlands. Nokia is like the overgrown 13 year old who's just like gone through puberty before everyone else. And it's just, he's literally just too fast for people. Like Baz Dalid has had a horrible time this, this competition with pace. Like, got hit in the face of Harris by Harris Ralph. And I, I loved the video after for Ralph. There was a clip of Ralph being like, come back stronger, mate, you'll be okay. I was like, mate, you can't. It's such a, like, it's such a, I don't like this range, it's such like an alpha ring, where it's like, I'm lucky, mate. Like, next time you might be able to lay a glove on me. And then he's come back out to face Nokia and just got polled again. So he's either got hit in the face or in the stumps, uh, which isn't a great combination. Um, but yeah, Nokia, pace, amazing. Mm. Uh, just worth talking about why that was so important for the Netherlands. Today's results meant that they finished uh, uh, finished fourth, which means they qualify automatically for the next T20 World Cup. And that's a huge result for Ireland and Scotland as well, because only two teams can go through from the European qualification pathway. So if Netherlands hadn't finished fourth, it would have been between Scotland, Ireland and Netherlands. Uh, whereas now you'd say Scotland and Ireland are pretty strong favourites to to go through that. And you could see that the Netherlands really... that they really worked out everything that needed to happen because as they were walking off the pitch uh, and Pakistan were walking onto it for that game, they were sort of exchanging sort of like smiles and thumbs up with the with the Pakistan team. And there was a video of Tom Cooper sort of saying to Baba Azam, like, uh, make sure you win so we finish fourth, obviously knowing that he'd done them a failure. So that, that, that was nice. Um, on to that Pakistan game. Uh, they chased 128 against Bangladesh somewhat nervily. Um, 
similar to the sort of South Africa evaluation, Cam, how, how good are this Pakistan side? I mean, that winning against South Africa was obviously brilliant coming back from where they were. Uh, but how much is if this is kind of a story of an incredible Pakistan style comeback? And how much of it is a story of a staff and collapse? And how much of it is a story of just the weirdness of T20 World Cups where a good run of form and all of a sudden you're uh, you're into the knockouts kind of thing? Yeah, I think Pakistan basically have a get out of jail free card in that they have an incredible bowling attack. So they're always kind of in the game, no matter how far behind they are. And again, they lost those two first games, but they lost them both in like miraculous fashion, if that's a possible thing to do. Like they were very, they're very, very close to having been not four from four because of the rain and whatever. They're very, very close to the start of this competition, two from two, threes into the semi-finals. So I don't think it's that surprising that they've strung together two results against South Africa and Bangladesh at the end of the game. I think, yeah, they're, they're, they're a bowling heavy team. And that's been the story of the World Cup is that bowling attack can eat the games out here. And so they've got this beautiful combination where they've got Shaheen bowling, like quick left arm in swings at, like, at the top. You've got Harris Rao hitting as the leader in the face. And Nazim Shah, you've got, you've got everything. And then you've got Shadab Khan as well, who's your kind of maverick joker who's bowling these quick leggies um, and able to hit the ball out of the park as well. So you put that together and you've got a team who's very capable of winning a game out of nowhere. You've also got a batting lineup that's fragile enough to lose a game out of nowhere. So it just lends itself to the volatility of, of the format and the competition. Now they're two games away. They, they, may, they might crash out against, crash out in the semi-final and we'll all carry on with our lives and be like, oh, classic Pakistan. Or they might win it. And that'll also be classic Pakistan. That's, that's, that's the kind of the fun of it. Yeah, I guess it's weird how that middle order has almost become like a strength in a way. I mean, recovering from 40 or four against Stafka with Shadow Khan playing at brilliant innings. And then today you had, I guess, those questions over Rizwan and Babar's approach. You know, Babar scores 25 at a strike rate of 75 and Rizwan 32 at a run a ball. And then, so from there, it's like, that's a slightly nervy position to be in. You know, it's going quite a lot under a run a ball through in the 12th over. Uh, and then it was what Harrison Masood come out and just kind of ice it. Uh, it's quite a weird position, isn't it, Dan? For, for, for like, obviously these are questions we talked about before, but the difference from before is that the middle order wasn't really firing. Now it is firing, and those two are perhaps just slightly below the form that they they have been at times, I guess. Yeah, it is firing, but it's not as if they found this perfect formula. They're still changing things around all the time. It reminds me a little bit of like when Guardiola sets his teams up. If you play fantasy and you try and pick a defender. You don't know who's going to be playing. With Pakistan here, Nawaz has batted at three today. What He's batted at seven and eight previously in the tournament. Masood's found himself down at five. Um, he's an opener by trade. He's batted at three and four. There's still, there's still no blueprint to it. Shadab Khan batted at seven. He's not faced the ball. And they've chased, you know, 130 down with two overs left. There's no blueprint. There's no no definite formula. But they're so mercurial, so maverick that it just works for them. Um, and against New Zealand, you could definitely see it happening again. Um, I think that'll be a battle of the two top orders um, and the bowlers, really, I think. But if Pakistan, I think they probably have the edge with the middle order. And if they can keep firing like this, they'll definitely have the advantage. I'm desperate for Mohamed Nawaz to win the World Cup final for Pakistan against India at the MCG and just have this like perfect redemption arc. He's had such a weird, horrible tournament that he's lost that game here. 
against India in just catastrophic circumstances. And he was batting at the end against Zimbabwe and they've lost again in catastrophic circumstances. He's got four of 11 and got run out here today in a game that they had to win. He's he's not had, there's a video that came out after the first game where Abrazan was like, you're my match winner. I'm going to back you all the way. And it was really emotional, really nice. But he's trying really hard to prove that we're wrong there. Um, and I, quite, I quite like him just to have a, a positive day out, basically, because at the moment, he's like, I, like we all love the sport and all wanted to be cricketers growing up. I'm not jealous of him at all at the moment. I'm like, you're ha you're having a rough time and I'm very happy that I'm not, not in your shoes, basically. It's all going to change the final next Sunday. Yeah, he's going to get Kobe out and all that. It'll be amazing. The, the Shaheen story is an interesting one, isn't it, Dan? Because uh, obviously he comes into this tournament cold, having been injured for a while, obviously a bit of weird stuff going on around that injury. And then there was that, there was what, a bit of crowd footage, I think, of the, the final ball in that Zimbabwe game where Shaheen was in the middle, was running. It, it wasn't quite hobbling, but it's clearly kind of like ginger running. It didn't look like he was at full fitness. And he's come back brilliantly now, hasn't he? Yeah, with the, with the running up, what I would say is I think the amount that the, whoever it was at the non-striker, however much they backed up, made him look much slower than he actually was, like he set off so far. But that's besides the point, yeah. Um, came in with a lot of pressure on himself. Harris Ralph had taken a lot of the a lot of the mantle in the England series and he came back in. Wasn't quite himself to start with. Um, but like in the last two games, he's just turned up for his side when they need him the most. Four for today, three for um, against South Africa. Got rid of Rousseau and Decock right at the top, two of the most explosive batters in that side. Um, and he was just a, played a massive part today, four for 22 off four. Um, and he, he's still not really had that opening burst, you would say, like when you think of Shaheen, well, at least when I do, I think of that India spell. I think most people will. Um, still not quite seeing that, but if he's anywhere near that, um, it'll be crucial to their chances against against New Zealand because they'll have to take early wickets and blow up on that top order. So do I have any chance, I think? I guess the big thing that Bangladesh will be feeling from this game is possibly a bit of frustration at the umpires again, I suppose. Uh, there was... Um, uh, Sort of a, a key moment halfway through their innings with the bat, where what so should Shadab had just got out, or what one so one of their players had just got out, I can't remember which one it was. Uh, but then Shakib comes in, obviously the key player, uh, gets pinned LBW first ball, reviews it. There's a spike on ultra edge as the ball passes the bat, but the TV umpire thinks that's from bat on the ground, not from bat on ball, and gives Shakib out, and he's clearly very unhappy. Uh, and then you know. In the chase, he was also unhappy at something else, not being able to review an LBW, being told he'd run out of time, throws his hat on the ground, like with the umpires. Uh, but as much as you don't like to focus on umpire decisions as an individual thing, that was a big moment, Cam. How did you see it? Well, I, I just don't think he was out. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't understand. I kind of had the game on and I saw the replay and... Saw ball, you can see the ball move off the bat, and I went, Oh, he's hit that. And I kind of carried on about my day. And then I, they, were, they were like, Okay, can we go through to ball tracking, please? I was like, What? But no, he, he's hit the ball. Uh, I've since seen something on, tw on Twitter which means it is obviously true. Um, that basically, because of where the spike is in terms of the like the snicker thing, it was on the right hand side, which means it's actually the frame before what you're seeing in your eyes. And so, actually, we're all idiots, and he had actually missed the ball. Um, look, that person could be like working for NASA and really smart, or they might just be a random who just made that up. 
it's, it's made me doubt myself whether I was actually writing. Maybe maybe Shakib was um, correctly given out. But I think there's something interesting in that we're kind of moving towards. There's an increasing debate about having like specialist TV umpires because the guy who was on who was, who was the TV umpire was Langton Rosel, who was the standing umpire in South Africa, Netherlands, about 45 minutes earlier. So he's had to get changed, have a shower, whatever, I don't know. And then he's straight into doing a completely different job with a very different set of requirements. And with the way the sport's going, is there not this kind of not need or capability to have specialists standing on-field umpires and specialist TV umpires? And it kind of reopened that can of worms again because they're, di- they're, they're different tasks. And yeah, for, well, I, I'm, I'm saying here the need for specialist TV umpires because it's a very skilled job. It's something I've never done in my life, but I've like been myself enough of an expert in that same sentence to say, in my head, it was clear that he'd hit the ball. I don't really understand how he's given out. And Shakubi's a very level-headed guy. He never gets angry, so I thought he handled it very well. <laughs> yeah. Um, funny old tournament for Bangladesh, I guess. Uh, what Kind of really scratched their way through their first three games. Actually, smashed by South Africa. Quite nervy wins over Netherlands and Zimbabwe. And obviously had a poor record coming into this. It, it was, what, like, one, two out of 21 or 22, I think, against full members going back to the start of the last World Cup, which is obviously bad. And then, actually end up pushing India really close and Pakistan quite close. Uh, and if they'd won either of those, they'd be uh, uh, they'd be in the semis right now, wouldn't they? So, uh, funny old tournament for them. Yeah, I'm not here to like gatekeep who can get to semi-finals and finals, but I think it would have been a shame if Bangladesh had got there. Like they're So, obviously, probably one of the worst teams in that group. Um, like it actually would have been a shame if they got through somehow because there's not really a great deal of star quality they've not really shown much um yeah they were a bit hard done by maybe against india but i know they pushed pakistan close but i don't think at any point anyone would have said they deserve to get there i think they i actually think they've played so hand on heart i just thought they were going into the tournament i went these guys are rubbish and then when they lost to south africa i was like see i told you like, they're, they're terrible um but then they kind of their fast bowlers tasking ahmed especially they've got a bit of pace about them and that, and that kind of came to the fore conditions over here then against India, Listen Das played one of the best innings I've ever, I've yeah. ever seen. It was incredible. As they kind of had these moments where they kind of played above themselves and all of a sudden they, they were in with a shot qualifying for the semi-finals. And so it was being, it's been chaotic. There's been all this stuff going on and then it's still just the whole their whole tournament rests to the mean of their last year in that they've played five teams. They beat Zimbabwe and Netherlands and they lost to the three like, bigger boys, as it were. So... In 10 years' time, you'll look back and you'll go, oh, yeah, that was just Bangladesh. Bangladesh Whereas actually, we were really close to having Bangladesh in the semi-finals and being Shakib or Listen Das innings combined with Task and Ahmed's spell away from doing something very special. But I think, as Danny said, like in a very, very shallow way, I just want the teams in the final to make... I just want I want India to be in the final so there's 100,000 people here, basically. And that's my sole reasoning. So anything else not interested in basically mm. yeah so speaking of the best innings we've ever seen uh onto the india game this was basically a dead, dead rubber i mean india needed to top if they won they would have top the group arguably they would want to finish second i don't know it depends on if they want to play to england or new zealand uh, or zimbabwe could push for fourth uh still obviously the game of the league riding on it but that Surya kumayadav innings was ridiculous wasn't it dan and in a way 
I've never really seen before. Like, obviously, we've seen him play some absurd shots and play some very good innings. But the way in this innings, he was basically just like, I am going to hit everything over fine leg. And then he just did it. It was absurd, wasn't it? Yeah, he exclusively played that shot. It was like a challenge video. It was in like, I'm... Adia sent a screenshot from uh, Crick Info's like wagon wheel. And obviously it's split into eight, isn't it? And there was zero runs scored through mid-wicket. And like, in the innings of 61 off 25, anyone else plays that innings, I guarantee 20, 25, 30 runs have come from bombs over mid-wicket. You know, slog sweeping the spinners, um, just hacking it to Cal Corner. Instead, he's got 25, 30 runs just scooping to the point where niche reference but like on Getty Images there's almost a whole page of him just exclusively playing the scoop shot it's impossible to know which one's which the last one was like up there with one of the most insane shots I've ever seen it's like beyond belief that he even tried it and then to pull it off and not like scoop it into his own face and the fact that it went for six as well um, he's just an incredible player second player to score a thousand runs in a calendar year it should be said he's done that like much much quicker than Rizwan the only reason he's not got more is that he's back from the middle order and not up top. Yeah, he's just insane. And I'm uh, I'm intrigued to see what England tried to him on, uh, on Thursday because Zimbabwe went with full and wide, didn't they? And he, he put that away and then he went straight and then he put that away as well. And he, he backed really well against high pace. So there's there's no way through him, I don't think, really. I was saying, I, I feel like I say this to Ben quite a lot, but like something I love is it's like, and what Yadav was doing to play, it was like, it's like bowler independent batting. It's like, I just don't care where you're going to bowl. I've already decided where I'm going to hit this ball. And Zimbabwe, just like in that last over, for a moment, they, they fixed it. But I think you get so used to seeing the cricket pitch and you're used to the shapes of the fielders and the patterns. And I just remember looking out, I was like, what is this field? Like, they've lost the plot. Like, it was the worst field I've ever seen. I, can't, I wouldn't be able to tell you where people were because they were just hopping about and they just didn't know what to do. So saying we're, we're bowling this guy outside the wide line. We're bowling no. That one of the guys did bowl no ball. He missed the cut strip with a beam on. So far, so far outside off stump. They're trying to bowl it so far outside his off stump, and he's walking across and like paddle scooping it, sweeping it over fine leg. And it's just, it's just, it's just not possible. It shouldn't be possible. And yet he was doing it with regularity. And when he wasn't. Uh, scooping it over fine leg, he was playing like the orthodox drives over cover for six as well. And um, no, it was it was special. It was a really really special thing to to see and kind of get the hype basically. Mm. Uh, we should have a piece from Crick's analyst Ben Jones uh, early next week on how England attempt to keep him quiet because uh, that that will be the one semi final India v East Africa, uh, India v England, and uh, the other semi final is New Zealand uh, Pakistan. So it could be all set for a. India Pakistan final. We do. We've ha- have had one question in from uh, Cat Knight, who asks, "Who is your money on to reach the final?" Dan, uh, I'd like to say England, but I, I just don't. I think India are the, they're coming together at the right time. Um, I can see a scenario where England, if England back second, I don't think I'm not very confident, um, especially after yesterday. I can see the scenario where Ashdeep Singh blows off. Hales or Butler's pad straight up and then you know we don't know what's going to go on Milan anything could happen um, but yeah I fancy India and then I you know I'll probably fancy Pakistan as well maybe for narrative uh, maybe sensibly I don't know Mohammed Nawaz redemption story don't care about any other facts or reason Pakistan all the way going to win the competition fair enough um, well we will have a full semi-finals preview pod on Tuesday so make sure to check that out um, 
but yeah thanks cam thanks dan for for joining the show uh, and if you did enjoy listening please leave us a nice maybe even a five-star review on the app of your choice Podcast Network.